Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 161. This week, I went to visit a brewery with a difference. This small beer brewery in South London is creating brilliant lower alcohol craft beers within a system that makes sustainability one of the most important issues. And it's not a new idea. Small beer is something that was first brewed in the 1700s. I caught up with founders Felix and James to hear all about the historical inspiration behind their fascinating story. Okay, so I'm here at um, Small Beer Brewery in South Bermondsey with Felix and James. Um, it's a really interesting brewery. It's got an amazing story and it's it's quite an unusual um, story in that they are deliberately brewing their beers to be under a certain um, ABV, so uh, low alcohol beers. Um, so welcome, guys. Um, tell me where the idea comes from. Could you explain to people what small beer means in a historical sense? Because I think I picked up on that when I was reading your story. Absolutely. So we have, we've, we've set our, our upper limit at, at 2.7%. Um, small beer, um, we, we've effectively defined uh, this, this beer between sort of non-alcoholic beer up to sort of 0.5%. And then your, your higher alcohol beers, kind of 4 or 5 and above, um, and so we are, we're, we're set in this bracket between 0.5 and, and 2.8. So our, our highest beer um, is 2.7%. Um, but really, small beer is historic. Um, and it comes from, in fact, uh, a period up until the, the early 20th century, but sort of, but it was most prevalent in the kind of 17 and 1800s, okay. where small beer was consumed for hydration. And this was um, this was everybody from school children right through to high society. Really, would have, would have yeah, exactly, <laughs> absolutely, and and it, it was a it wasn't, drink. It wasn't the case, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it, it it wasn't a case that people were were stumbling around drunk all the time. I mean, no. they they may have been, but it wasn't necessarily because they were drinking small beer. Mm. Small beer um, was in this lower bracket, and it was brewed, um, as I say, for hydration, but also for, uh, for, for nutrition. Right. Um, and it's that because of the water quality at the absolutely. time? Absolutely, yeah. 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 So, so the water quality at the time wasn't good enough for drinking. And in fact, people say it's because, of the, because it wasn't safe to drink. But actually, in, in most cases, people were drinking it because it just tasted better than oh, the water okay. that was available at the time. Um, and it, it sat below the 3% mark. And that's because, um, it's for a very good reason, Three uh, percent is the natural diuretic limit for alcohol. So if you're mm. if you're drinking beer above three percent alcohol, yeah. you're constantly dehydrating as you drink. Okay. Whereas below three percent, you're hydrating as you drink. 
So that's one one of the benefits of okay. the beer that we brew today like is that, that as you drink it, you're <laughs> hydrating. Yeah. You're also, you know, it's full of nutrition as well. So mm. so um, you're getting B vitamins, you're getting um, some minerals, so you're getting selenium, zinc, uh, magnesium at, at low levels, but they're, you know, you're 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 effectively um, getting nutrition as you drink the beer as well. Okay. And back in back in the days, back in the day then, would people brew in were people brewing it at home? Absolutely. So pretty much all small beer was made at home, in fact. Okay. Um, and and people were brewing uh, stronger beer as well. So there was the, the sort of 4 or 5% yeah. beers for the, for the evenings and the weekends. Yeah. Um, but the for beer that was consumed... Was small absolutely. Beer, yeah, yeah, for yeah. every other point of the day. So if you were hard at work and you needed, you know, you needed some, uh, some hydration, you would, you would reach for your small beer. Um, and there were so people would make it at home, and in fact, it was mm. it was normally made in the kitchen um, at home, and it would be made as a um, as a byproduct of making your bigger beer. Mm. So you would start out making a stronger beer, um, and then you would reboil your mash. So you would oh, you take so a sort of second mash. runnings, yeah. um, and you'd add more water and and and, and make a thinner. Uh, a thinner wort, which is the unfermented beer, and mm. then you'd ferment that to create a, a smaller beer, um, which was safe to drink um, and would provide the, the nutrition and the hydration. It's like really sustainable as well, which I know is a part of your story that we're going to talk about a bit Absolutely. later. Yeah, how it, do, it, was how a, did, um, it was a sort of frugal yeah. measure. Um, but it, it does differ certainly from the small beer that we make today. Yeah. So the small beer that we make today, we specifically brew to to that strength. So we're not making it as a byproduct. Byproduct, you're actually beer. doing it as a as a science. Correct. How yeah. did you? Um, how did each of you come to the this point now where you're you're brewing this incredible beer? Like, what was the journey? So I I'm a brewer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I've been I've been brewing beer now for 14 years. Um, both on a sort of homebrew level, but then also as a career. So I was working in, in much larger breweries, okay. worked my way down um, to, to sort of smaller businesses. And in fact, I met James um, working at Sipsmith Gin Distillery. Oh, okay. We love um, Sipsmith. <laughs> <laughs> We've been um, down there, actually. It's a brilliant set. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Good, good. They, I mean, they obviously make, make some slightly stronger stuff. Yeah, but, <laughs> but we but were... But a lot of love in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so James's background was very much... Well, maybe I should let you speak, James. Yeah. But it, it was very much in wine and spirits. Yeah. Um, and and he, he was, in fact, at Sipsmith pretty much from day one. Um, and... He, yeah, I might pass over to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I was. And, uh, and obviously an amazing story, as you say, yeah. behind Sipsmith and, and a huge amount of love, care and attention that went into um, the production of the gin yeah. there. And as Felix mentioned, he was, uh, he's got a, a wealth of experience within the brewing space, mm. production, um, gosh, down to yeast management and culture. <laughs> Which, um, not light reads, but incredibly important, particularly given yeah. what we're trying to achieve, what we believe we are achieving here. But we've been looking at this space, which stemmed from going into your local pub, maybe over a social lunch, scanning mm. the pump clips and finding that the ABVs on the beers was creeping up and up and up. It was up and up, wasn't it? We were saying that before the, like the DIPAs, and, you know, yeah. at like 7, 8, even Le 9%. Totally led by the craft. Yeah. Brilliant. Great, yeah. great flavor profiles. Problem was, 
if you're having a social lunch, yeah. you have a couple of those, you're basically resigned to a written-off afternoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a bit of a cloudy head the next day. Yeah. If it was a Tuesday night catch-up with friends. And you, Jenny, very rightly touched on this at the beginning and saying, I drink beer because I love great beer. Yeah. And that's exactly what we said, we drink beer because we love great beer. It didn't need to be 5 or 6 or 7%. It just mm. had to taste like a great beer. And I think... The reality is we're all so busy now, whether it be family or work or mm. lifestyle or you simply want to get up early the following morning because you're going for a run. People don't want to forego that social occasion of the night before, yeah. seeing friends, seeing family, enjoying great beer, great drinks. But less and less now do they mm. or did we want the slowdown that's so often now associated with a 5 or 6% beer. Yeah. And that's what inspired us to look at reworking the entire brewing process to focus on flavor maximization okay. over alcohol creation. Because at the other end of the scale, um, you, you, you have the, the alcohol-free, don't you? Or the, you know, which actually is, yeah, yeah. at the moment, is huge. There's mm. so much coming out. I've mentioned to you before, I did dry January. I drank my way through quite a lot of yeah, 0. Yeah. 0.5 or whatever, which is considered alcohol-free. Mm. Um, some all right, some really not all right, <laughs> you know. But um, but that market has exploded in the last year even. You're so right. And I think the amazing thing about the alcohol-free space is that ultimately it's been led by big brands with yeah. big budgets who can talk about it as a category. Yeah. So what's fascinating about the small beer space and indeed the history and what mm. we're looking to pioneer is not only the, the uh, new production methodologies, mm. but also the fact that small beer is back. Yeah. We don't have those big yeah. marketing <laughs> yeah. budgets to tell people that. So it's very much a word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about the provenance, it's fascinating the number of people that say, gosh, small beer reference in some of the Dickens or yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Shakespeare's writings. You're like, absolutely, absolutely yeah. it was. And people have heard of it. Oh, I was drunk as the alternative to water. Oh, it was yeah. far better for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's now it's now down to us to share that small beer is back. Our belief is that it's tasting yeah. better than ever. <laughs> and, um, and, and as I say, and that it is available in your local shop or indeed pub. Can you tell us, um, and do it in a not super technical way sure. um the sort of processes you have to go through to get this you know lovely flavored beer but without as much alcohol because i think it's you mentioned before there's a lot more time and love and expense you're, involved right you're right and i think there's a really lovely contrast in terms of what we do versus what you'll find on a big scale yeah and particularly at that 0 to 0.5 space but it's probably fitting that I pass you back to our, okay. our master brewer. <laughs> I mean, no one better to answer the that question manager. than the, the yeast manager himself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, wonderful title. Um, <laughs> so we, um, there are basically three defining factors that, that, we, um, that we abide by to make small beer. Yeah. One of them is that we start out with amazingly good quality ingredients, yeah. um, the very best ingredients that we can get our hands on. Certainly not the cheapest, but the very, very best in quality. Um, and then the second point is, is our production methodology. So, so we actually start out in the mash, so where we're combining 
the malted barley with the water. Mm. Um, we use a, a different mash temperature, a different mash pH, and a different mash thickness in order to create uh, more unfermentable sugar um, and less fermentable sugar than you would normally okay. get in a mash. And actually, we start out with the same amount of ingredients as you would use to make a 4 or 5% beer. Mm. And that seems quite inefficient in a way, but, but it's, it is efficient for us okay. because we look at efficiency differently. So we're, we're aiming for flavor efficiency. Okay. That is our absolute target, is just striving towards flavor efficiency at every point. Um, and not your classic brewer's efficiency. Mm. So brewer's efficiency is all about getting as much alcohol as possible from a certain amount of raw material. We've flipped that on its head and we've said, actually, that's not a concern for us. And therefore, that liberates us actually to extract more flavor from our, mm. from our raw materials. Right. And this really starts in the mash. This is where we, we get to, uh, to get um, less less unfermentable, um, sorry, less fermentable sugar right. from our mash, and that means that we end up with less alcohol at the end of the process. But by doing that, we're actually allowing ourselves to extract more flavour. And then the the sort of third and final point would be that we do it all with as much time as possible. So, and in fact, we we allow the yeast lots of time in order to look after the beer. So, mm. following. Um, this, this day of making the wort, the unfermented beer, um, the wort goes into a fermenter and we add yeast and then you get this very rigorous um, uh, primary fermentation, mm. which takes about a week. Uh, but then we, we cool the beer down using very traditional lagering methods. Okay. So lager is the, the German word for storage, for cold oh, really? storage. Okay. So, so we, we cold store the beer um, close to freezing point uh, for a minimum of six to eight weeks. Wow, that's a lot. That's a long time, isn't it? In Absolutely. Theory? Well, in fact, um, <laughs> if you compare that to the industry standard, I yeah. mean, so, some of the some of the much larger breweries are, are producing lagers in as little as four to five days. Right. But the industry standard sits at around nine to eleven days. Okay. Um, so we've we've really extended that back to the way that it really should be done, the way that it used to be done, mm. um, where we use a very natural lagering technique. Uh, we allow the uh, the beer to rest following that primary fermentation mm. um, until it until it's right to go out. And then, in fact, if it's not right after six weeks, we leave it for another week and we taste it again and we make sure that it is right. So you're constantly tasting it. Absolutely. Do you, yeah. How how often do you taste? So we a, we a, taste, a, we monitor, we actually we we take all sorts of readings okay. from from the fermenting beer. But but um, you're using your taste buds Absolutely. as well all yeah, the time yeah the palate is extremely yeah, important yeah, yeah. <laughs> in all this um and so so we are we monitor the beer at least at least once a week mm. um in terms of taste uh but more often than that even just just to sort of to see what the uh, the yeast is doing um, what the fermentation is doing mm. and so um at the end of that process we end up with this with this fantastically clear naturally clear um and naturally flavorful Beer. So actually, during that ferment, that secondary fermentation period, that lagering period, uh, the beer is developing even more flavour, and okay. it's naturally clarifying. So it means that we don't have to use um, uh, clarifying agents, which are quite often um, non-vegan. So they okay. they might be made, made out of fish, so like ice, isinglass. Ice yeah, correct. which is fish. 
Um, is it? Something it's, horrible yeah, it's like that? Yes, the swim bladder of sturgeon. Who, who discovered that? We, like, come on. Absolutely. Do you know who discovered, like, using a swim bladder of a fish would be so, a clarifying um, thing? That, that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, so we, we don't use any Isenglass, mm. and therefore all of our beer um, is vegan. Um, but also, um, because, we are, because we leave the beer for such a long time with mm. the yeast, the yeast is actually breaking down the gluten within the beer as well. So okay. our lager is completely gluten-free. Are you allowed to say that on the bottle? Because I know gluten-free is what you are. Oh, yeah. Yes, In fact, been, we, yeah. we sit below that 20 parts per million limit. Uh, where you can where you can call beer gluten free, yeah. um, and in fact we are the only brewery mm. uh, that we know of to be making gluten free beer using a completely natural method. Wow. Um, and and so often if you are using so we'll we'll come back to this idea of kind of how the other breweries are making yeah. non alcoholic beer, but actually just making gluten free beers. You know, gluten free beer is something that is booming at the moment. There's so yeah. many breweries and there's so making gluten free beer. Turning them out, yeah. And yet they're using enzymes to break down oh, the gluten. And those are unnatural additives. They're going to add something to the beer, aren't they? That's, That's it. And then flavor once you've broken down, the enzyme is not specific to gluten, so it actually breaks down a whole host of proteins. Mm. Uh, and you lose all of the, the nice tight head on the top oh, of the beer as okay. well. So then you have to add in more, more bulking agents in order to create that head. And so... So you, you start this sort of um, this mm. knock-on effect of having to add more and more additives. So you've got a list of no, no th things that you don't do, haven't you? I was looking on your absolutely. website, which yeah. is quite fascinating because I didn't realise all of that stuff just happened in brewing naturally. Yeah. So we... Uh, so did you start out with like, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, coming down small beer today, it's a really, it is, I, I love breweries, so I'm, think, I'm biased, but it's a really beautiful brewery. We've got all these huge like metal cylinders on one side you've got a little bar here it looks it looks properly i mean it, obviously it's professional but like how long in the making is something like this to, to put together because it's you know every everything you've said like it sounds like you had a manifesto about how you were going to work how you were going to do things how you were going to you know um not cut corners and that's that's a huge commitment isn't it absolutely so <laughs> so james and i first came up with the concept uh, it was three well, almost four years ago now. Um, but it was a... Um, when, when we first set out, in fact, we were, we were brewing uh, on a very small scale, um, just coming up with, with a beer that really we were brewing for ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, we wanted to be able to drink this, this lower alcohol beer, but we thought, actually, if we can do this well, it might be something that... that so what we point, can release what, what sort of um, volume are we talking about? Is this like in your back, is in your, in your shed? It, it, was, <laughs> it was indeed, yeah. Oh, was it? Okay, you, that's you, you hit the nail on the head yeah. there. It was absolutely, we were, it, we were brewing on a homebrew scale. On a homebrew scale, um, okay. Uh, in, 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 the, in my back. I think this is fact. encouraging for people to hear you see, because I quite like that idea of like, <laughs> You start out with a, yeah. you know, plastic bucket and whatever, and then well, you end up with... <laughs> the fact is, is we haven't stopped. So, right. <laughs> in fact, we are, so we started developing the recipe yeah. and, and indeed the process um, in, in the back garden. But we actually still use our, our pilot plant, <laughs> um, which is effectively my, my old brewing kit, my old home brewing kit. Um, we use that on a day-to-day -day basis oh, to wow. develop new methods oh, um, in order to make our beer just that much better. And, yeah. and we're generating vast amounts of primary research. We're really 
keen on on uh, on getting as much information as possible together so that we have a better picture of really what constitutes a great tasting lower alcohol beer um, so we're generating vast amounts of data and actually we've we've started brewing on a much smaller scale even um, in our lab here at the brewery like a micro micro brew <laughs> absolutely yeah Stick around to hear more from James and Alex, including how they are putting sustainability at the heart of the brewery. Are you sharing your knowledge? Are there other people out there who want to do the same thing, who are coming to you and asking questions? And I think, I think eventually we'll get to the point where, I mean, at the moment we are still the only brewery um, in the world to specialise in making just this lower alcohol, this just small like beer. Hopefully you're at the, the front of a vanguard of people Absolutely. doing it. And, and it... we welcome, you know, all, yeah. all of the, as, as you say, that there may be home brewers sitting there at home or people who've never brewed before who are thinking, well, could I get into brewing on a small scale? Mm. Please do. And please be the next, you know, the, the next in that vanguard of, of small beer brewers. Because mm. it's great if people are, you know, if, if other breweries are, are joining us in, in, this, in this charge, mm. um, that small beer becomes something that actually everybody knows about and everybody can can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're saying, you know, that we are, I hope, you know, we'll remain at the forefront of, yeah, that, yeah. of that. Tell us about some of the um, environmental, sustainable stuff that you're, that you're doing because that's a really interesting story because obviously there's potential for a lot of waste and mm. what water used and things. Well, I think from both of our backgrounds within the drinks industry in different yeah. arms of from gin to wine and, and, and beer. The industry is incredibly resource intensive. It does use a lot. Yeah. And that was one of the key threads of our business. When we set out, we said, if we're going to do this, we want to do this as responsibly as we possibly can do. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot. And, and I think as is right now about what one does, not just being good for business, yeah. but also being good for for the planet. And I, I, I think now is it's more relevant than ever. We run, as we know it, the country's only entirely dry floor brewery. Okay. So, and it's a massive contributing factor to reducing the water that we use here. Okay. If you've been to brewery, I mean, <laughs> many breweries before, as we know, but um, you'll probably have seen the brewers... Yeah. Wellies, squeegees. I was thinking, well, what does dry floor mean? But then I was thinking back to oh, being there and absolutely. seeing them like just what you use washing, the, hosing down the floors. Huge amounts yeah. of drainage, hosing down the floors, as you say. You won't find a single drain in the floors here. The whole cleaning process that we undertake is very much a dry process. You won't see the grain being thrown from the from the vessels onto the floor and then hosed into the water systems. Okay. It is one of a number of factors that has allowed us to reduce our water usage from an industry standard of eight to ten pints of water to brew a single pint of beer. Eight to ten, wow. Eight to ten, down to just a pint and a half of water to brew a pint of beer. That's amazing. Which which has been a big, big thing for us. Part of Felix's design on the kit is that actually it it is built to recycle, recirculate the water that does go in to the brew process okay. itself. It's a fascinating setup. And, and I think for those listeners, those who'd like to come down and see it, would be <laughs> very, very welcome to, to do so. It's an incredible, incredible uh, space to come and see. I suppose the second piece is that the brewery, from an electricity point of view, is run off 100% wind water solar power. Is it? 
Where's your where's where's the generator so to, got, on the roof? On the um, yeah, 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 everything's up we on the roof. Time you up there, so no, that's fine. I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> I don't need to see the roof. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look actually. It doesn't look quite as glamorous. But um, but then everything from the labels to the boxes, even yeah. the the business cards, aren't just recyclable, but they're all made from 100% recycled materials. Okay, um, which. It's big, big thing for it. Fascinating as well that to buy recycled is considerably more expensive than it is to is buy it? virgin. <sighs> and boom, Crazy. But, but that's just because there's simply no demand for it. Yeah. And so supplies don't create it. Yeah. It's for us as producers, it's very difficult to, to get it, even though there is an abundance mm. of, of said material. Um, so those are just three things that are really important for us. But I hope, and certainly something that we strive for, yeah. is eventually to become a zero waste brewery but we very much want to be leading and you talked about sharing uh, data yeah. and production methodologies and it's absolutely something that we're um, very much doing our best to share here yeah. so actually it can be done I think it's, a, it's an important part of people getting into a movement or you know actually having access to someone who can tell them how to do it or at least put them on the right track and then you Definitely. you know that's how you build Absolutely. those things you yeah. know and very often people talk about their spent grain being 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 collected and going to farms that very yeah. much happens here we've got a brilliant farm if it's a cat a cattle of dexter uh you know the, the small little dexter, dexter mm. cows with our with our grain which completes the whole cycle yeah nice. it's not getting thrown onto the floor it's not getting hosed down into yeah, the yeah, water yeah. systems it's actually going back and to, yeah. absolutely and it completes the cycle here for yeah. us rather nicely so they're just a couple of things but i hope that we can very much support and yeah. lead that charge when it comes to responsible production within the industry because mm. be gosh great. does it yeah does make a difference entire industry really need to need it, yeah to, to support change yeah um let's talk a bit about the beers that you that you produce mm. how many do you actually do so we've got four beers got in the four. range and was that always the plan that you start because you sound like you're you're really organized i can imagine <laughs> you're, you're a big fan of spreadsheets <laughs> right like, <laughs> <laughs> like felix just nodding like yes, 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 i've got several thousand spreadsheets <laughs> with, it just so it like every it sounds like everything was planned meticulously. So we knew the beers that we wanted to create and the timeframes with which we want to release them. We're not a brewery that releases a new beer every month. As Felix touched on at the start, we brew classic beer styles below 2.8%. We have four in the range currently. We launched with two. We launched with our classic Pilsner-style lager, um, Felix touched on the, the lengthy lagering periods yeah, yeah, that yeah. that goes through. Pilsner's defined by the use of the Czech hop Sarts from the town of Pilsen. Uh, Sarts is a noble hop. Yeah. Um, if you were to reference wine, it would be like an old world wine. Sarts would be like your left bank Bordeaux. Oh, it's, yeah. it's refined. It gives you this lovely floral nose, but a nice continental bitterness on the finish. Just a little bit of a bite on the back of the palate. Yeah. And that's met with two new world hops. Uh, and if you were to reference New World Hop to a I don't know, Australian Shiraz, they're more okay. fruit forward. Okay. They make themselves known within a beer a lot more yeah. than your noble hops do. And the two we use, one is called Galena, which gives a little citrus, and one is called Mosaic, which gives a little stone fruit. Okay. But our, our Pilsen style lager is just it's beautifully clean. It's incredibly crisp and really fresh. It's a, 
It's an exquisite expression of, of a lager. Yeah. And then alongside that, we launched a dark beer, mm. a dark lager. That's the one I had. I yeah. love that beer. It's <laughs> Which so is good. coffee, toast, and dark chocolate. And yeah. it's got this little wisp of smokiness. If you like stouts or porters. Yeah, I love stout. Um, I think stouts and porters so often get kept for yeah. the deep, dark depths of winter. Yeah, like and that's the thing because it's really refreshing. You get the, yeah. you get all of those flavors that you said, but but on the back of it, it's light. It's like light, and it's like drinking. Definitely. It's like something out of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Like you kind of expect one thing and you get something completely different. It's so often dark beers can be yeah. so heavy and they yeah, feel like really a heavy meal, as well. And you have one or two, and you think. Oh, yeah or they're so strong that you have one or two you're like actually that's yeah. me done but the joy of it is it's something it's a dark mm. bit as you say you could enjoy through the summer or you could enjoy through the winter yeah. because you get those lovely characteristics but you've got that lovely light refreshing yeah. lagered finish where does that style come from the dark beer style is that is, is that something that people have been brewing for a while or did you invent it? I mean, <laughs> we did not invent it. Wow, gosh, Felix, you you look like you're. <laughs> Felix is jumping in. Come on, dark lagers. Um, so then, it's it's not a style that you find in in the UK so much. No. Um, and in fact, it's always been dark lager has been my favourite style of beer for yeah. some time. Um, and there are there do exist some dark lagers on the continent. So in, okay. in, in Germany and in the Czech Republic, but they tend to be much richer, much almost mm. quite sort of syrupy in a way. Yeah. They're so thick and so heavy um, that they are probably sort of, they're, they're a better comparison with our stouts and our porters. Um, if you look to uh, the New World, and in fact, um, to, to sort of Central and South America, you'll find some dark lagers oh, there okay. that are a little bit crisper, and more yeah. refreshing. And that was the that was the sort of inspiration um, for us was that sort of more um, more refreshing yeah. uh, alternative. No, it's really unusual. I would definitely urge people to try that one if anything. And what are the other two? There's the the pale the pale. So then we thing? launched. Uh, in fact, last summer we came out with Steam. So oh, Steam, Steam is is, yeah. is, um, uh, is is fruity, uh, but it's also you know it's quite rich. So mm. uh, so on the on the nose you've got some wonderful um, sort of uh, tropical fruit notes um, but then on the palate uh, you've got all this rye and and wheat um, which make it a lot more robust so it's almost a, okay. a chewy beer it's kind okay. of it's got some <laughs> real body to it um, and it, it's got a really nice thick white creamy head um, and it's great for your sort of uh, you know your your bitter drinker yeah um, maybe if you like IPAs as well it's that sort of um, it's sort of in in that sort of neck of the woods mm. um Almost sort of halfway between a lager and, and an IPA. That's, okay. the, that's the sort of easy easy definition of a steam. Um, again, goes back to a, an old German style of beer, uh, which you won't really come across anymore. We've we've sort of brought it back from the, oh, okay. from the dead. But um, but uh, steam beer was big in in Germany in the late eighteen hundreds. <laughs> um, and then and then finally we have our session pale. Um, yeah. So session pale. We just launched very recently, yeah. uh, just just in the last eight weeks, um, and it is an amazing beer, particularly for the summer. But it is it's refreshing. Uh, it's got all these wonderful, juicy, sort of mouth watering uh, hop character. Mm. Um, so you get all this all this fantastic sort of fruit uh, on the nose, 
Um, it's got a lot of mouthfeel, uh, sort of in, in the mouth, you're actually getting not just the sort of the malt character, but also yeah. a lot of the hop flavor. It's a little bit more rounded. It's not a lager after all, it's, 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 it's a pale ale. So mm. it's much more rounded in the mouth. Um, you're getting some of the, the oats and the wheat that come through there. Um, and, then, and then it's got a really nice, clean, crisp, quite bitter nice. finish. So, so it's really hoppy. Um, and it just brings you back for a little bit more. Yeah. What's great about that, though, is that you've kind of covered within the four styles quite a lot of ground for people mm -hmm. for tasting or trying something new or, you know, something that a particular flavor that people enjoy. They'll find it within that range. As well. Absolutely. Are, are you planning on expanding at all? Are you just are you just going to? Oh, no, you've just launched one, haven't you? <laughs> Don't want to rush you forward. You've just well, eight weeks. you know, watch this space. Yeah, watch, watch this space. space. And, but, and about the space, because it is this lovely, you've got a little bar here. You, do you do events and things? Absolutely. Yeah. So we run events, so two or three nights a week, you'll actually really? find um, live music here. Uh, we run our Funny own... I didn't live on the other side of London. <laughs> <laughs> Crouch into South Bermondsey is quite a hike. Absolutely. I well, I mean, I, I'd like to say it really is worth coming down yeah. for. So you, you must, please okay. do. But we do we do live music, we do comedy, we do yoga here up on the mezzanine. Um, in fact, I mean, we run all sorts of uh, all sorts of wonderful events mm. here. We also do we do weddings, we do team days. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a whole host of um, of events. It's a very here. cool space. Um, so what, what's the website where people can find out all about your? So our website is originalsmallbeer.com. Originalsmallbeer.com. Uh, and then there's a there's an events page on there mm. um, where you can you can find out about the fantastic okay. events that we do. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to us today, guys. I've I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have. Um, and good luck with the future and future beers. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming down. So that was Yola Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can still pick up a copy of a July issue on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. <laughs>